Almost everywhere Jesus went, huge crowds came to see and hear him. One time, he began teaching by a lake. The crowd became so big that he actually had to speak from a boat out in the water. Jesus often told stories called parables about everyday life that were symbolic of who God was and what it meant to live in God's ways. Jesus also performed many miracles everywhere he went. He healed sick people and even raised some from the dead. He could also control the weather. One time when Jesus and his followers were in a boat on a lake, a huge storm came in and the boat began to fill with water. Despite the storm blowing the boat around, Jesus was asleep. Panicked, his followers woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus stood up and commanded the wind and the waves, Quiet, be still. And the storm was gone. Many people were amazed at the miracles Jesus performed, but the religious leaders called Pharisees started to question where Jesus got his power from. At one point, they even accused him of getting power from the devil. King Herod was also fearful of Jesus. A short time earlier, Herod had thrown John the Baptist in jail. He wanted to kill John, but knew that he was a holy man and feared what might happen if he did. Then one day, Herod's daughter was dancing and entertaining Herod's guests at a banquet. Herod was pleased with her and told her she could have anything she requested. Herod's wife stepped in, telling their daughter that she should request the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Herod was fearful, but what could he do? He had promised to give his daughter what she requested. And so he had John beheaded, and the executioners brought his head into the banquet. As Jesus' fame grew, King Herod began to worry that Jesus would bring John back from the dead. Even Jesus' followers began to have second thoughts about him. But his 12 closest followers stuck by Jesus for what was sure to be tough times ahead. You know, it happened, <clears throat> excuse me, in 2009, excuse me, 2009 in Lisbon, Portugal. It took over 400 buses to get everybody there. And there were over 22,000 people gathered in that occasion to break the world record for the world's largest picnic. But I think they cheated. You know why? They brought their own food with them. You see, the story that we have in the scriptures is of another gigantic picnic. It's of one where we have 5,000 men show up. And if 5,000 men show up, you know that there's going to be women and children there. Probably 15 to 20,000 total people there. And nobody but one little boy even bothered to bring anything to eat. And yet they all went away full that day. But this is far more than just a picnic story. My favorite version of the story is in John's Gospel, excuse me, John's Gospel in chapter 6. Now the crowds had heard about Jesus' miracles, so they followed him all the way around to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which wasn't populated at all. 
which means no population, no Kroger. There was no Kroger there for at least another millennia or so. And Jesus sees the crowd approaching and he says to his disciples, why don't you guys give him something to eat? And one of the disciples speaks up and they're like, Lord, it would take a, a year's wages in order to feed all these people. That was the Galilean way of saying, are you crazy, Jesus? But one of the other's disciples, Simon Peter's brother Andrew, spoke up and he's like, well, here, here's this little boy. Here's this little youngster. Look at him, all the food he's got. And he had five little pita pockets and two sardines. But that probably won't go very far, will it? Yes, Andrew, understatement of the day. So Jesus had his disciples get everybody to sit down, which had to take a little bit of time. Then he took the five loaves of bread, the five small loaves, gave thanks to them, and started passing them out. Now this is where the story gets interesting, because it doesn't take very long to pass out five loaves of bread, does it? It doesn't take long at all in that big of a crowd. And it takes even less time. I've calculated this. It takes even less time to pass out two fish. But they did it, and as they passed them out, they just kept passing them out, and there kept being more bread, and more bread, and more bread, and there kept being more fish, and more fish, and more fish, and more smell, and more smell, and more smell, because that comes along with the fish too, doesn't it? But you know, unlike most stories involving fish, this one's true. And as... All of them ate and had their fill, all NBA arena full of them. There were over a dozen baskets of bread left over at the end. doesn't say there's any fish left over. I think they probably ate all the fish because it's fish, and I keep eating it till it's all gone. I love fish. Now, the disciples and the picnickers uh, were probably just too caught up in the moment to realize what was happening here. But just as God had provided for the Israelites giving manna in the desert, so Jesus was showing them now that he was God by providing for them, them for bread. Bread to eat miraculously, just as the Israelites had eaten. Instead of manna, this was bread that Jesus had provided and created. Then, of course, Jesus sensed something was up because they knew that they were going to try, he knew that they were going to try to make him king by force, which is interesting because in today's world and, and throughout history, kings try to make themselves kings by force. But what happens here is that Jesus recognized that they wanted to make him like a political king, and that's not the type of king that he came to be. And so Jesus went away on a mountain by himself to get away from it all. The first observation that I have to make about this story is that they, meaning the crowds, wanted power more than they wanted God himself. How often does that happen in our world today where we seek after power, where we seek after being in control and use God as a means of a way to getting that control instead of recognizing that what we really want is God? What we really need is Him. If I were to end the story here, you might be prone to think that life with Jesus is a real picnic. But the story doesn't end here. 
You might say that this picnic winds up getting rained out because the story shifts to the Sea of Galilee where we see the disciples without Jesus going and trying to get to the other side of the sea. But that night, as they're going across the Sea of Galilee, a sea that they knew very well for many of them who were fishermen, they start straining at the oars, the waves start getting bigger, the wind starts blowing harder, and it's like they're struggling to even move forward at all in the boat. And then out of nowhere, they see what appears to be a ghost walking towards them. Now, they'd seen a lot of crazy things in their time with Jesus, wouldn't you agree? They'd seen demons come out of people. They'd seen the, just that day, they'd just seen the bread and the fish multiply. But there's no record of them ever seeing anything that looked like a ghost. So this was new to them. They were a little bit scared. And let's keep in mind, this is not the most peaceful event that we see happening uh, on a lot of pictures and paintings of this event where we see Jesus walking on like this crystal clear, calm water. These waves are rolling in. These are surfable waves out here in the middle. This is Cowabunga Jesus out here walking across the waves. Now the disciples are scared, but then... Jesus spoke up and he was like, hey, don't be afraid of me. Fear not, is how it says it in Scripture. And the Bible says that they let Jesus come into the boat like they had some type of choice anyway. But immediately as soon as Jesus got in the boat, they looked up and they realized that they were on the other side. You see, this story is trying to tell us that this is no ordinary miracle worker, if you could even see such a thing. This is Jesus. This is God in our very midst. This is no trick that's being played here. This is a miracle of God that mirrors the miracles in the Old Testament, especially with the bread. But this is where the picnic ends. You see, the crowd had gone around the other side of the sea. They knew that Jesus didn't get in the boat that night. But yet in the morning when they get to the other side, Jesus is there with his disciples and they're like, hey, wait a second. He wasn't in the boat. How was it that he got over to the other side? And they come around and they start asking him these questions. And you would think that this is a time where Jesus could have done a lot of recruiting. He just fed all these people. And you know the number one tool to recruiting somebody is to have a good meal, right? So here they are, all the people in the palm of his hand, and yet Jesus ruins the picnic. The picnic has come to an end. Here's what it says in John 6, verse 26 and following, which is the core of our text for today. Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Ouch. Jesus is saying, you were just hungry. All you wanted was a meal. He goes on to say, do not work for the food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Now, we've already made the first observation that they wanted power more than they wanted God Himself. But now we see the second is that they wanted provision more than they wanted God Himself. They got their free meal and they thought, man, if He can get us a free meal, what if Jesus could get me a meal every day? 
What if he could get me a new job? What if he could get me a wife or a husband? What if he's the one that can get me all these things? And Jesus here declares, he's not there just to give them handouts. He is there to give them himself. Are we looking for provision more than we are looking for God himself? Verse 28, they, the crowd, I ask him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. And so they answered him, what sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? This has just got to baffle Jesus at this moment, doesn't it? <laughs> um, do you guys remember yesterday at all? Do you remember that whole fish and that bread? In fact, I think we still got some of that bread left over. Remember, there's more left over than what I even had to start with. Was, it, was that enough, guys? And here it says, what will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You know, in some of the other Gospels, it has uh, Satan quoting scripture when Jesus is tempted. Uh, in this, it has the crowd quoting scripture to Jesus. Won't you even give us bread to eat? I think this is our third observation we need to make, is that they wanted an easy-to-believe faith. They wanted their faith to be a picnic. They wanted their faith to be a real walk in the park. And Jesus declares to them, this verse in John 6, 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is one of seven I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. It's also one of seven signs that Jesus does in the Gospel of John. A fascinating book full of stories that are pointing us to Jesus being the Son of God. What we understand here is that we have a good God, not a goods God. We have a good God who meets our every need, who loves us unconditionally, but he's not just a goods God who's there to get us stuff. He's a good God, not a goods God. And so I would encourage you to do this in light of this text. Seek God, not goods. Seek God, not goods. This wise teacher who you've probably heard of once said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to you as well. Seek God, not goods. Seek God and you'll have the goods that you need. It might not be the goods that you want, but it'll be the goods that you need. At this, as Jesus continues to teach, and I'll just be honest with you, if you read John 6, you're going to say a few times to Jesus' teachings, huh? Jesus starts talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, which I think is best understood as the Lord's Supper. Some people disagree with me in that, and that's okay. But this whole reality here is that they weren't getting what they wanted. And so it says in verse 41 that at this, the Jews there began to grumble because, about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. 
They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And again, their memory is very short, isn't it? Just yesterday, they were trying to make him king. And today, they're saying, isn't this just a carpenter's son? I wonder how short our memory can be when it comes to God revealing himself to us. How quickly we can forget who he is and what he's done. Jesus continues to teach, but then the heart of the text, in my opinion, comes at the very end of the chapter. Right there when Jesus has the chance to multiply his ministry. Right there when Jesus has the chance to have the bigger crowds than he's ever had before in his life. What is it that Jesus does? He ends up running them off. Verse 66, it says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So Jesus, he turns to the twelve and he asks them, You do not want to leave me too, do you? The crowds have left. They were just getting ready to make Jesus king the day before. This is a moment of disappointment. The picnic is over. He turns to the disciples and asks them this question. And I believe that he asks us this question as well. In this cultural moment where it's not popular to be a Christian anymore, in this moment where Christianity is on the decline in our country, though it's exploding in other countries, I just wonder if Jesus would ask us this question in this time where it'd be very easy for us to walk away and to say, you know, that's fine, but it's just not for me anymore. I wonder if Jesus would ask us today, do you want to leave me too? Do you want to leave behind your faith and just walk away from it? Simon Peter, he's the one who speaks up, which I know is kind of like a warning. Get ready, right? Here it comes. Simon Peter speaks up, but this time he's right on. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. And I wonder, would you answer Jesus that same way today? Maybe you have some disappointment with God. Maybe you have some disappointment that life isn't going the way that you planned it. That the sickness that you have encountered isn't going away. That the relationships that you've been praying hard over are still struggling to get better. Your wallet is not getting thicker as you would like it to. I wonder if you would just answer to Jesus, where else am I going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Here's what it comes down to. I believe that life with Jesus is no picnic, but it is so much more than that. It is so much more than just an ordinary walk in the park, than just a nice little gathering. 
It is so much more than everything going easy in life. For he alone has the words of eternal life. Our hearts are broken for the war that's being fought in the Ukraine right now. There are a lot of churches that have been planted in the Ukraine since the fall of communism back over 30 years ago. With that, Christianity has grown remarkably. Yet now, so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are living in fear of a war being waged by an insane dictator. A couple of stories have come out of Ukraine and Ukrainian churches, though, that are very, very encouraging. The first one is this, of all the shortages that they've had in the Ukraine, which I think we'd all agree is nothing compared to the shortages that we've had in the United States. Oh, wait, I've got that backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the shortages we've had, the supply chain issues are nothing compared to what our fellow brothers and sisters in the Ukraine are dealing with. You know one of the one thing they were running out of the last couple of weeks? Bibles. They were running out of Bibles. The churches and the Ukrainian Bible Society, whose job it was to provide Bibles to people in the Ukraine, they were saying, we cannot keep enough Bibles on hand. Everybody seems to want one right now. You know why? Because in the midst of a crisis, they realized what it's tough for us to realize in a time of plenty. And that is, is that Jesus is enough. Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life. He's the one that we need more than anything else. Another video, uh, video has surfaced from the Ukraine as well that shows people sheltering in a subway station, a makeshift bomb shelter there underneath the capital city, Kiev. And in the middle, nobody really knows how it started, but the cameras were turned on on somebody's phone and it's recorded this crowd gathering in a subway station. Let's face it, I've been enough subways in my life. They never smell like roses down there. They never have nice words spray-painted on the walls. But down there, with bombs going off in the background, machine gun fire going off, a worship service broke out where people began praying and singing hymns to God all together as one. Church, we should take notice of these things. We should take notice of those around the world who are struggling, to those who may not have their daily bread tomorrow, to those half a million or more refugees that are streaming into Poland, and yet when they have faith, Faith that sustains them when nothing else is going right. I think we could describe it this way. They believe that Jesus is the bread of life. Life with Jesus may be no picnic, but he is the bread of life. My family and I just returned from a trip to Iowa this week. It was not a trip that we had been looking forward to, it was a trip where we'd known for the last few months we were going to have to make to bury my dear Aunt Marilyn. She was only 72. She was healthy until a couple of years ago when she got bone cancer, or I guess other type of cancer, and eventually spread into her bones. And she suffered for what seemed like way too long 
as she was letting go of this world. But as we gathered there, and several hundred people gathered to remember Aunt Marilyn, and every one of them told stories that were remarkable about her life, about how she was the one who kept the Fort Madison post office in business through all of the cards that she sent, a big stack of them every day that she would send out to people such as me and my family and other friends that she just wanted to keep in touch with, always encouraging, always being a blessing. Did things go right for her in her life? There were a lot of things that went wrong for her, but she kept her eyes on Christ. She remained faithful to the end. And while we're still waiting for her healing to take place that won't take place until Christ returns, we can look at her faithfulness as an example of someone who we should emulate. Because life for Aunt Marilyn was no picnic, but Jesus was enough for her. And friends, life for you is not going to be a picnic. There's going to come a day where everything falls apart. There's going to come a day where the family that you've trusted in is no longer there, where the wealth that you've trusted in is not there, where the health that you've wanted to have your whole life is not there. But I will tell you this, that there is never a moment in your life when, Christ, when hope in Christ Jesus will not be enough. There will never be a moment when hope in Christ Jesus is not enough. He is the bread of life. He is the one who sustains us. And we just have to leave ourselves with the question that Jesus asked his disciples. We can be like the crowd who walks away when the going gets tough. Or we can answer like Simon Peter. You can say, Jesus, where else would we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Would you answer that way today? Would you answer and say, Jesus, you alone hold the words of eternal life. And I'm holding on to you no matter how rough this life gets. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you, the bread of life, the one who walks on water, the one who multiplies food uh, and makes it plenty out of just a little boy's lunchbox. Jesus, we come to you with our struggles to focus in on who you are and the kingdom that you want to bring. We admit and confess to you how quickly we get distracted. Forgive us, Lord, and heal us. We confess to you how often we worry, even right after we see your provision given to us. Forgive us and heal us. Lord, we know that scriptures say that uh, you take care of the sparrows. Won't our Heavenly Father also take care of us and give us what we need? And so, Lord, we pray for you to make our faith deeper. For you to grow us, Jesus. For us to focus on your kingdom and to acknowledge that you, are the one, you alone are the one who has the words of eternal life 
and that we can trust you through all of life's good times and all of life's disasters. For you are good, and you love us, and you have come to establish your kingdom on earth. And we thank you, Jesus. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. As we wrap up the service today, I want to let you know about a few things that we have going on. First of all, if you're a guest here today, thank you for joining us today. We're thrilled that you're here. We would love to uh, get connected with you. Uh, I'll be in the foyer afterwards, or if you'd rather do it online, you can go to ecc.life. That's ecc.life and fill out a connection card there. We'd love to get connected with you and to help you plug in any way that we can. A second, uh, tomorrow night we're starting a Financial Peace University here at East Point. Uh, it's actually going to be an online class where you can just uh, dial in from home. And if you want to register, you can go to eastpointchristian.com events, and there you will see the sign-up for it. Rather than the normal price of $120, uh, through East Point it's only $25. So it's a great deal, and you'll have online access for that for good. So you'll be able to keep a hold of that uh, for good. So that's a great thing. Um, and then finally, uh, next week we're starting our Unstoppable campaign. Uh, this is going to be our campaign to grow our faith and to help steady our church's financial condition. Uh, and so as we start this Unstoppable campaign, one of the key components is going to be prayer. Uh, and so starting on March 1st, I'll be doing some videos uh, that will be uh, every day as we enter this month of prayer. But before I talk any more, I want to have Christy Brown come up as she is one of our prayer uh, champions here at East Point, and to share a little bit more. Christy, you can stand, have a seat, have a sandwich, whatever you want to do. Well, I'll just stand. All right, all right, cool. <laughs> okay, planning, preparing, and packing. Anytime we go on a journey, there's a lot of preparation involved. We make lists, we gather our supplies, to pack in our suitcases to make our trips pleasurable. As we are planning for our trip with our unstoppable God, and as we prepare to go on this unstoppable journey, we want you to be aware of the first stop we're going to make. It's in the place of unstoppable prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 tells us to pray continually. It's a place of personal preparation, a place not of busy things to do and see, but of peace and connection with the Father, a place of emptying our minds, our suitcases, if you will, and allowing God to fill us with his plans, his purposes for our tomorrow's time and treasures here at East Point Church. This empty suitcase that you each received walking in or that you'll get when you walk out, they are our visuals for each person to take home. Position in a place to remind you to pray and prepare yourself to hear and be filled with God's purpose and his plans for you as you seek his voice. And for that to happen, we need to be open. To example that, my box and my challenge to you with your boxes is to open one or both ends to remind us to be open to God and giving him permission to fill your heart and mind. And guess what? As Pastor spoke about, we're going to have 31 days of prayer starting March 1st to March 31st. 
And from that, we're going to roll right into prayer and fasting. So at the end of March, April 1st, from 6 p.m. till April 2nd, Saturday, 6 p.m., we're going to be fasting as a church and praying for God to speak to us as we begin our commitment month in April. We're also at 5 o'clock. We'd love for as many people who take part in the fast to come at 5 o'clock here with a dish to share. We're going to end that 24 hours, the last hour, together in prayer, and then we're going to eat together. I think that's it. All right. Uh, so just to wrap up there, uh, what we're looking at is starting on March 1st, we'll have our Unstoppable Prayer video guides that'll be on Facebook, uh, as well as the email that'll be going out each day to share with you uh, that you can take a look at and join along. And then the day of fasting is on April Fool's Day, because it seems like a foolish thing to do in the eyes of the world, but it's something that will be a huge blessing, I believe, to all of us. So, um, hey, as we wrap up the service today, I wanted to just pray for our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. And so if you would stand with me as we pray uh, over those who are enduring such horrible tragedy right now. Father, we come to you uh, with heavy hearts for our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine, those who are on the road out, who are uh, fleeing to eventually become refugees or are already becoming refugees uh, to those who are staying in this, the country, Lord, we pray for your peace for each. We pray for your hope for each. We pray, Lord, for your bold witness during this season when so many people are hurting. And Lord, we just recognize that this, this war is a horrible atrocity, that this is something that uh, is not in your heart's desire. And we pray, Lord, that you would put a stop to it. And we pray that you would hold accountable those who are responsible for this war and that you would bring your justice in this situation. Lord, we long to see peace in this earth and we know that you long for it too. And we pray, Lord, that we might see it. We thank you for your love, Jesus, and just continue to comfort those who are hurting so badly through this season in Ukraine. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Go in peace.